Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome Today's episode of the Nick Pop Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And, you know, a new set of windows or a new door can do a lot of things for you. It can change the look and the feeling and the vibe of your home. Plus, it can add value to your home. And, and we've been talking about this a ton, it can make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. Pella can provide window and door solutions to any home and work with the people at Pella, second to none. So now is the time. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Give them a call. 402-493-1350. That's 493-1350. Check them out online. PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. It's officially available in all Runza locations. The brand new Reuben Runza sandwich. Everything you love about a Reuben wrapped up inside the greatness of a Runza sandwich. It's available. Get to Runza today and try the new Reuben Runza. And while you're there, tell them your pal Nick Ba sent you. Okay, it is. Uh, it's Monday. It's about uh, eleven thirty uh, a.m. Central Time, and. I, you know, this, this Greg McDermott situation with Creighton, um, continues to be, you know, the story, uh, of, of right now on, on everybody's mind. And, you know, he, Greg McDermott was suspended, um, from team activities and did not coach, uh, in the senior day game against Butler over the weekend to coach, uh, Alan Huss was the, the acting head coach for that game. Uh, and, uh, you know, this situation is still ongoing and, and seeing where everything evolves and goes to with, with, with Greg McDermott. And it's just, you know, I feel like it's important to kind of keep the conversation going with this, you know, in, in particular, getting a lot of people's perspectives. Um, and, and, you know, Josh Jones had a, had a great uh, story from Johnny Tower wrote uh, about, you know, Josh Jones and his relationship with Greg McDermott in the World Herald today that I encourage everybody to go check out. And the guy that I have on the pod today, he wrote um, a, a column in the Omaha World Herald right when all this stuff broke, and it's Josh Dotzler. And he is a, a former teammate of mine and a guy that, uh, you know, I'm not sure there's a guy there's a more, that's more qualified to speak on this issue than he is. I mean, not only because he's a basketball player can speak to that side of this, but because you're talking about a guy that is, uh, you know, engaged every single day, every single minute of his life, in you know social racial issues cultural issues uh, socioeconomical issues um in north omaha and he understands all the nuances that goes along with everything that we're talking about with what he does with abide and all that he does um to try to make um the community of North Omaha, better place. And, you know, he knows Greg McDermott extremely well. Greg McDermott has helped and worked with Josh personally on some of the, the different things with North Omaha in his, uh, his organization abide. And I wanted to get Josh's perspective on a variety of fronts, kind of how he's continuing to digest and view, you know, the, the Greg McDermott situation at Creighton, what he thinks should happen moving forward. 
and then just you know getting into a, a, a deep conversation about you know racism and and eradicating hate and and what it's like to be black in America because I think it's always important to continue to have these kinds of conversations. Uh, this was just this was great. Um, I think you guys are really 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 going to enjoy this. So let's get to it. Here's my podcast chat uh, with former Blue Jay. Great man. One of the best dudes you'll ever meet. Josh Dilton. Well, on the line now, uh, former teammate, former T-Bird, former Blue Jay, uh, Josh Dotzler, um, guy that I've wanted to talk to. You know, I've wanted to catch up with you, Josh, throughout the basketball season, but then this, yeah. you know, with everything breaking with with this, you know, Greg McDermott situation, you were you were high on my list of someone I wanted to catch up with here. Uh, you. You had a great little uh, little column in the Omaha World Herald, um, kind of explaining your thoughts on everything going on with this Greg McDermott situation. And I yep. thought you you uh you you so you also went on with Severe and Benning, and I thought you you put it well. You were like, man, this situation is too big and too nuanced to dumb it down into a tweet right. or a text. Because I felt the exact same way. I had people like, what do you think? Or tweeting at me like, what's your take? I'm like, really? I can't like this is way too big. Right. To is that is that was that kind of the motivation for wanting to do the the story in the World Herald? Big time, big time. You know, I think probably similar to you. <clears throat> once it all came out, you got family texture on. You got people asking kind of for a response. You're seeing some of the Twitter feeds, and yeah, like just talking about it and even responding to a couple people. Just felt like a tweet, a, 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 a you know, a soundbite couldn't really, I would say, encapsulate my thoughts and feelings in terms of the whole situation, and so. I just kind of started to write and honestly didn't have any expectation for how it would be used, but was trying to put some of my feelings uh, down on paper in perspective and kind of try to think holistically. And uh, when I was done, just uh, shared it with a couple of people and, and felt like it was something that maybe could be helpful and shedding some light. Yeah. But just just really. Yeah. I felt like there needed to be some holistic perspective shared and, you know, from people who have relationships uh, you know, with Coach Mack, with Creighton in the community and feel kind of, I would say, the gravity of both sides of the situation. Right. I, I think that the thing that I've found myself doing is like sometimes I'll zoom in and talk about something super specific with this situation. And then, like yep. you said, a holistic thing where you kind of zoom out and go, OK, we need to take a big picture approach. What, what does it as we I want to zoom in for a second, though. Yeah. What does it look like for you to separate the mistake from the person? Yeah. You know, like, because I'd imagine that's maybe easier to do for a white guy like me, you know, like, yeah. but for me, there, and this is in no way, shape or form trying to minimize what Greg McDermott said using the term plantation yeah. in front of the team. But I also have found myself saying, you know what, though, I do think who Greg McDermott is as a person, his character, his track record, they all have to matter as we sort through this thing yeah. as it pertains to him and his future. What's that look like for you? I would say hands down, you know, and I think that's one of the challenging things about people weighing in on on a situation like this is I think context matters. I think somebody's lifestyle, the decisions that they've made leading up to, you know, making a, a, a mistake like this. I think all of that matters and all of that has to play into how you view a person and even, uh, you know, how you view what he said and, and what he did. I, I liked, you know, Marcus Zagorowski, what he shared at the press conference the other day yeah, and basically said, you know, coach McDermott, like, that's my guy. I know he loves us. I know he's got my back. And, and I think all of that matters. Again, I, I just kind of touched on my own personal family situation with my parents and 
I mean, think about this, Nick. My dad, white guy from rural Iowa, my mom's from Washington, D.C. When they have my my oldest sister, she's a baby. My dad looks at my, my sister and tells my mom, just like, not even thinking about what he's saying. He said, man, she's a good looking girl. One day she's going to, she's going to grow up. She's going to marry a white guy. Ooh. And my mom looked at her and said, now my daughter, she's going to grow up and marry a black guy. <laughs> and like, they went back and forth for a little while, but, but just think uh, about that. If yeah. my dad were to say that oh. in a public setting, I mean, think about what he would like the scrutiny he would be under. And, and that was just honestly one of many comments that my dad was, uh, that my dad would say and was insensitive to and really didn't understand the cultural dynamics. And so there was a learning curve. And um, I think for me, understanding that, knowing now what my dad has done for the black community, what his heart always was, like that mattered when it when it came to even the mistakes he made. And he was married to a black woman. Right. So, so for me, I'm very, and I think even this last summer for me, that there was just, even more clarity in just the gap that still uh, is present in our, in our city, in our world. And uh, so I think people have to be held accountable. I think, you know, it also highlighted um, just the gap in terms of sensitivity to what a white person would say versus a black person. But I think you have to look at somebody's body of work in terms of their lifestyle and take that into consideration when it comes to a situation like this. Totally agree. God, that's a that's an amazing anecdote. I mean, and and story there. I mean, because that's because you know, for me, like, I guess sticking on Coach McDermott for a second, like, I think the I don't know if you followed the the Iowa strength coach story that happened over the summer for their football program, where it was like there was um there was an allegation of of. of from a player about racist behavior and then yeah. guess what happened then another person came forward then another person came yep. forward then it yes. like and so all of a sudden you've yes. established a track record of behavior and that's that to me is totally different than yeah. what coach McDermott's situation is I bet I mean you've been around him you've been around all the 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 players that have played for him I bet if you went to all the former players it wouldn't be 95 percent it would be 100 percent of them would feel yeah. Like, man, he's a great dude. I've never experienced anything racist from him at all. Yeah. So, and and I, I guess when we think about, okay, where does the power lie in figuring out what's next? I think a lot yeah. of the power needs to lie with what the players say and believe, both current yeah. and former. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think players have perspective. And, and I think current, and I think they've tried to really lean into the current players I think one of the challenges with that is, is you're asking some young people to make some pretty difficult decisions. Yeah. And I think that's where there there's, there's a level of tension and challenge. And, and, and I think too, Nick, like something that, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I want, I want to be sensitive and talking about, but I think you've got coach McDermott, but you also have Creighton. Right. And, and I think there have been some situations that I would say weren't handled well that have to do with race and have to do with individuals. And I think when you take into account some of those, I think it's, it, it's not just a coach McDermott situation. It's a Creighton situation. Right. And, and again, I think coach McDermott is even maybe take some of the brunt of some of that with, with what he said. But I think, I think as an organization, I mean, the majority of black or brown students on campus are a part of the athletic program. Yeah. And and making sure that there's an environment created where they feel heard and they feel like 
man, I'm, I'm a part of this community just like anybody else. Like, I think it's important for Creighton to really lean in and, and, and try to find some solutions for that. Yeah, you know, because that's, that's, I wrote that down because that, one of the things that's been interesting to watch has been kind of some of the former players and how they've yeah. reacted to this, whether it's Kenny Lawson, Maurice Watson, just Pat, Justin Patton has kind of tweeted about various things with Creighton yeah. University even before this. And then even Josh Jones had a very yeah. a, a very nice column today. And he, he I, saw that. I thought this was really good. He goes, my issue with Coach Mack and his word choice and my issues with Creighton University can be one and the same, but two different yeah. things at the same time. And yep. I think that's an interesting – because one of the things I've kind of noticed is like, you know, my you and I, teammates, together yep. all the time, but your experience on campus was probably very different than my experience on campus. And it's not that I'm yep. naive to not recognize that I look around every classroom that, right. hey, it's all white people in here, you know? Right. But I think there, it's, there's, there's a conversation about how all that goes, too. And yep. I, I've, I, Josh, I felt, I've, I've felt myself saying this, too. You know, there's the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I feel like we got to be careful with that with Greg McDermott here. As you said, he's kind of gotten swept yep. into these larger issues when I don't know if anything, there is anything specifically that has to do with him. But I also yep. think it gets hard when you, because it is all encompassing. That's just, it's hard. Yep. yep. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and, and I think when you're on the, you know, right now, I think Creighton is, is you're really on the defensive. Yeah. And, and, and if you're proactively maybe doing some things before this, which there were some things, some good steps in the right direction, you know, having Kyle and Anthony come and share and communicate. And so I do think there's been some good intentions moving forward, but you get caught in a situation like this and it, it, it's hard when you're kind of living and playing on the defensive. And, um, and I know everyone had, had their own, you talk about, you know, my experience versus your experience. And I mean, I, to some degree, you know, I'm, I'm. My experience was different than Josh, Josh's, and and uh, Kenny's, yeah. and some of those guys, and even just for me having a white dad, like right, that plays into it, right, and the relational network and circle of people that I'm surrounded with, and so, but 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 I remember walking the halls, and it's like, man, when you see somebody who looks like you, it's like my family. I don't <laughs> even know you, yeah. but man, there's yeah. something about when you're a minority in a majority culture, like you feel this kindred spirit. And so, and again, I know Creighton has been having these conversations, but this was kind of almost the perfect storm in, I think, what some people have been feeling, what they've been sharing. And, and I will say this on, on the side of being black and a minority, sometimes word choices like this put language to things that you feel, even though it's not by intention. Mm-hmm. And just just because we all have a worldview, we all grew up with a level of bias based on our worldview, and you can feel that gap. And I think sometimes when when you hear a word choice like this, it's like, man, yep, that solidifies what I felt. Right. Even though maybe there wasn't any intentional or or any you know really derogatory activity, but you just feel the gap because you're seeing life through completely different perspectives. You know, Josh, I. You, uh, there's something else you said in, on the radio that I thought was interesting that I want to kind of dig deeper in. You, you talked about the gap in understanding um, whether it's your mom and dad and where they're coming from and their and their experiences in life, and they're married and love each other. And yes, I, I loved what you said about how until it's personal, it's hard for people to really 
yeah. for whatever reason get behind it. And you made the analogy yeah. to when you know if you have a child who gets sick with cancer, that cancer becomes personal, and you become yep. an advocate and fight for it. So my question for you, Josh, and this is like maybe the the million dollar question with with yeah. life right now: What is it about racism and being black in America that white people have such a hard time making personal? Like yeah. I'm always amazed at how certain white people can vehemently take issue with or disagree with what a black person says their experience is or how they feel. You know what I mean? Someone be like, well, I feel yep. don't I don't feel safe around this or that or the police right. or that. And you, you'll get some white people like, well, that no, yeah, you do. You yeah, you no, you don't. You don't feel like that. It's like, well, what do you mean right. you don't feel like that? What is it? What is it that's so hard for 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 white people to make? personal with the black experience well i think number one for the average black person they have a personal experience that they have an actual experience that they can point to whether i mean whether it was my parents story whether it's me getting denied going to a school in omaha nebraska because of the color of my skin Mm -hmm. whether it's an interaction with a police officer whether it's the way your parents have been treated so like the 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 average black person has a personal experience that actually solidifies what they know about their past. Whereas the average white person, I mean, let's just take our city, Nick, Mm -hmm. if somebody moves to Omaha, Nebraska, they're a middle-class family. They move to a neighborhood that's best for their kids, education, safety type, type of lifestyle they want. They can go live in a community that is predominantly white and never really have to interact with black people. I, I've said it like this before. You can reach the American dream as a white person and never interact with a black person. Right. But you, you cannot reach the American dream as a black person without interacting with white people. Right. And so for the average white person, unless you're intentional, unless you play sports, unless you do something intentionally where you're around it, where you immerse yourself in that culture – you, you, you just don't have to. And so as a result, it's, it's not personal. And I would even say like coach McDermott, he, because of the players he's coached, he's had a level of engagement in it. But when a situation like this happens, there's a new level of perspective of awareness of engagement. I mean, I personally think this, I think he's one of the greatest advocates we could have. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of this experience and and because of what something like this does to you. And so part of it, we we encourage the white community to be intentional about seeking out uh, personal experiences. Go to North Omaha. Go to places that are different than you. Go uh, serve at organizations like be intentional for your own sake, but also for your children about finding places and people that are different so that you can kind of have your own personal experience. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast, talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. You know, putting in, you know, new door, new windows. It's exciting, but sometimes you don't even know where to begin. Let me help you out. First of all, you got to go with Pella. And when you go with Pella, there are a couple of directions you can go from there. You can schedule a free in-home consultation. That's right, free, F-R-E-E. 
You're going to get a Pella expert out to sit down with you, take a look at your home, and they're going to be able to put a game plan together that fits your budget, your wants, and your needs. Or you can head out to their showroom. Showroom's available in Lincoln and in Omaha, and the showroom's really cool. You Sometimes it helps to actually see the window and see the door uh, to get a better feel of exactly what you're going to be putting into your home. So the showroom's a great place to start as well. Any direction you go, just know the Pella can 100% provide window and door solutions to any home. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. If you haven't done it yet, you need to take advantage of the brand new menu item that is available, and it's the Reuben Runza Sandwich. It is every single thing you love about a Reuben wrapped up inside the greatness of a Runza sandwich. And I've just, one thing I've loved watching over the years with Runza is how they have evolved the Runza sandwich into it. There's a vegetarian Runza, you know, there's like a black bean Runza. There's there's so many different kinds of Runzas. And guess what? They're all fantastic because there's just nothing quite like the greatness of a Runza sandwich. And if you're a Reuben lover and you're a Runza lover, well, guess what? The Reuben Runza, is, you're, it's going to blow your mind. You're going to love it. So get to Runza today and try the new Reuben Runza sandwich. And while you're there, tell them your pal Nick Ba sends you. Okay, back to the podcast. The other thing I wrote down with you, when I, I, was, I was writing some things down I wanted to talk to you about last night. And how, you know, because you, you, you talked about in your in your in you know, you story in the World Herald, like, hey, this illustrates how far we still have to go, and you know, we have to continue these conversations. My question is, how do we have conversations when everyone is afraid to say yeah. anything because the climate is what it is right now, and it, and it feels as toxic and as he? I mean, even for me, like, I know what's in my heart and I know how I feel, yeah. but even for me, like, when I'm when I'm when I'm crafting what I'm saying, I feel like I'm I'm navigating landmines. You know what I mean? And I and like that's just the reality of the situation right now. How do we have the conversations? You know, because we've even that's what you've heard from the players. Like, hey, let's start the conversation. Let's start the conversation. How do we do that when the climate feels like anything that is said that someone disagrees with, it explodes? Well, I think part of the the uh, solution is you have to have conversations with people who have at least a level of understanding or engagement on both sides. Mm -hmm. And because I think without that, then we're constantly sharing our perspective without fully being able to hear, understand the other person's perspective. And so I, I don't know that everybody can lead or facilitate or be a part of those conversations but I think you have to have people in the middle who, who really understand how you build bridges. And I think like specifically with this case, I think it has to be people who understand some of the context and some of the players that are involved. And when I say players, I mean the players, but also the coaches and the university. And, and, and so I think like anytime there's a situation like this, what I've seen is there everyone goes to such extremes. And yes. you've got people on all sides kind of sharing some extreme perspective. But if we really want to be a part of a solution, I think we have to be able to f facilitate conversation that really includes and un has a level of understanding on both sides. And we all have to realize that we don't understand everything. Man, I don't I don't know everybody's story. Mm -hmm. I don't know 
uh, everyone's experiences. And I have to be willing to listen and learn and, and try to understand. I'll say the other thing, too, I think, Nick, is conversation can, can take us so far. And then, and then I think there has to be a level of engagement and activity. Right. What, when I think about when I think about the LeBron Jameses of the world, I mean, what's he doing? He's building schools. Right. He he's he's trying to facilitate real change. I think of Drew and Lauren Holiday, and they're giving their salary to black causes. I, I think in general, the white community as a whole loves to have conversation, where the black community as a whole is saying, "Man, let's take some action." Right. Let's do something about the gap that we see. And I think that's where uh, even not knowing all of the answers, we have to get to a place where we say, you know what, we got to move in the right direction. We got to take some action. Right. We've got to create some investment. We've got to get the right people in the room and we've got to do something. Right. Right. That's so true. I, what do you, uh, what do you think it's, what do you think it's like for the players right now? Like what, what do you think it's going, Man. what do you think? I mean, cause I mean, you and I, you know, we were teammates, we played. I think there are certain things we can understand about the dynamics of a locker room where, listen, you're not yep. going to, you know, the idea that every teammate loves every teammate is not true, you know, like, and the idea that every teammate loves every one of their coaches is not necessarily true, but you find a way to come together uh, when it's time to compete, you know? And so yep. I, I just, I wonder what all that kind of looks like right now and what your thoughts are on that. I mean, I would say, number one, I feel for the players. So do I. Because they've been, you know, just put in this position where, A, they're on this road to having a very successful season, starting to really peak towards the right time, towards the end of the year. You get hit with this situation, and A, you kind of lose your coach, you know, whether he's on the sideline or you kind of lose him because of everything that's happening around. And then, number two, you're asked to make some really hard decisions. And to come right. up with some solutions. And um, so I just – I feel for them. I, I think it was huge getting the win the other night. I think even, you know, a player like Marcus coming out and saying what he said, I, that was huge um, just for some of even the players. Like you said, I know every player is coming from a different perspective. Every player has a different relationship with the coach. And, uh, you know, I think all of that comes together. But – I do think there's a sense that, man, Coach McDermott does care about us. He's for us. And, and I get an overall sense that they want to they wanna continue to move forward and, right. and uh, play for him. Uh, that, that's the overall, I would say, sense that I get. Yeah, and it would be interesting. I mean, one thing I was thinking about was, and I, I'm, I, we've talked about this. I'm curious. This, this analogy isn't apples to apples, but I think you'll understand the spirit of what I'm saying. One thing I, I worry about is like when 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 Coach Altman took the Arkansas job and came back, yep. it was never the same. Like yep. we, you and I, you played for him for two more years. I played him for one for one more year, but yep. I was on staff with him for that for that second year. It was never fully the same. I'll never yep. forget the first time he came back into the workouts and was even just yep. like watching us. It was like it was weird. Like it was just. Yep. It, I I hope that's not the case with. McDermott and the players. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, if I were to be honest, I think it was tough for him to coach that game that he coached. Yes. And, and I think it, it was tough for him to be his authentic self and to coach the way he typically would coach. I, I, I do think 
you know, how you come back matters. I think how you work with players, how you facilitate those conversations, which I'm not in the middle of all that. So I don't know kind of what all that has looked like, but I, I do think part of it is how you do it matters. But I think like coach McDermott has said, he's like, man, this is something that I think is going to stick with me for a long time. Right. Coaches are already under the microscope. And when you have to start to second guess and question and, you know, when you feel like you just can't be who you really are. And uh, I think that's where it just gets difficult to, to really coach and, and do your job. So I think, I think the players will have a lot to do with kind of his ability. If, if he comes back totally. in the near future, Yes. Um, in terms of how they receive him. But, uh, and, and I think the way he approaches, it's going to matter too. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I still, I think, like you just said, I think, I think at the end of the day, the power in where this healing process goes and how, where this, where this all ends up lies with the players in a lot of different ways. And I just, you know, for me, because, you know, uh, like I said at the top, I don't want to, you can't explain away what he said and you can't minimize what he said. Yep. But I, I also think, like, as we all lock arms as human beings and try to plow forward with a mission of eradicating hate, erasing yep. racism, all that stuff, I I think you want Greg McDermott locked arms with you. Like, he, he yep. is – there are certain people need to get out of the way, right? You, 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 yep. They need to get out of the yep. way. They got hate in their heart. They're not – like, you need to get them out of the way. There are yes. some, but Greg McDermott's a guy that you want on your team. And I just yes. – I hope – I, I, I feel like I can I can say this like I, I just I hope when all the dust settles that that's what ends up happening here. Yep. Yep. Like I said, I, I think this experience can create a level of understanding, sense of urgency personally for him that could really call, allow him to be a, an incredible advocate right. for the black community as a whole, the black player, and just to be a voice for this. I, I also think Creighton has the potential to really leverage their influence and their position. And, and I think it has to be a holistic approach with coach McDermott, with Creighton. And, and I think our city can really grow from this, but it, it really ultimately will have to move beyond conversation and agree. lead to action. Uh, agree. I, I guess I, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think, I think there's gotta be some real tangible, things that come of this from not just Greg McDermott, but the entire university. And I think we're on the same page that I just, I guess I just don't, I don't think firing him and tossing him in the gutter. I I, I think that's, I think that's missing out on an opportunity here to, to, to really make a, you know, cause I just don't know. Like if we talk about, like I said, that mission, I'm just not sure tossing him aside helps that, that, that goal. I just like, I think he'd be a great, great spokesman and face yep. and energy towards good from this. And so what, what does that path look like to you? Like for, for, for that to be the, the end result, is there anything you feel like needs to happen in the meantime? Like what is, because I do feel like the next couple of weeks are really, really vital for how this ultimately ends up. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think coach McDermott, but along with Creighton, I think have to make some commitments you know, I think kind of the suspension, I would say, is kind of short-term action. Yes. And shows kind of, hey, they're serious about this. You know, this is something that needs to be addressed. 
But I think long term, I think there can be some commitments that are made, commitments to being a voice, commitments to, you know what, we're going to create an environment here at Creighton, but even beyond where we're going to educate people and we're really going to learn and, and try to really understand some of the challenges that our world is facing. We're, we're, we're going to partner with individuals and organizations. We're going to invest financially and, and we're going to, uh, I mean, the, the uh, campus at Creighton and the investments that have been made there. I mean, for some of those types of investments to be made in the black community could be monumental. Yes. And uh, and 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 then I think, too, we're going to bring players along and allow players to use their voices too to be a part of this change. So so I think there just has to be a level of commitment for the long haul that says, man, we're, we're going to be serious about this. This isn't just something we, we just wanted to get through this situation. Right. No, we're really going to lean into this as a university and as a coaching staff. Last thing, let you run. Can you expand on on Coach McDermott's involvement with Abide? And he, you know, you you yeah. you touched on in the story about him. He's reached out to you on advice or thoughts on kind of the social and racial issues that occurred over the course of the summer. What can you expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I would say first of all, you know, ever since he kind of took the head coaching job, um, he's he reached out to some former players and and you know we connected and he heard about what we were doing and he, I mean, he was one of the first guys that would bring teams down, you know, I remember yeah. Doug and, and their teams and other teams coming down to serve and volunteer and paint houses. And we'd have events and, and a golf event, he'd show up and he'd encourage people to support and give money to it. He's brought down even, even as of recently, you know, we're in the process of building out a fitness center yeah. and he's brought people down to uh, get them involved, to, to, to leverage their influence and resources. And so, I mean, this summer when a lot of the racial unrest and things were happening in our city, we had multiple conversations right. and he would call me and, and just try to better understand and say, Josh, man, what can we do to be a part of a solution? And so he he's been nothing but great to me personally mm -hmm. and also great when it comes to wanting to be a part of the solution to make our city better. Right. Right. And, and, and again, I think it's important for that to be a part of the conversation when when we really try to understand you know everything that's going on totally agree totally 100 percent agree josh Dotzler, uh hey man love you uh really appreciate love your you, perspective bro. on this and uh thank you so much uh for for you know dropping knowledge on this man this was uh this was 30 minutes of just great stuff i appreciate you nick man thanks for always using your voice to be a part of making change Excited to see the outcome of this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you, Josh. See you, bro. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online, on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Rubzo. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.